Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Well, I mean, I'm not focused, but I'm focused. Blur it up. Is the camera focused? Yes, the camera's I focused. Seen focused. Yours. I don't know. Hey, into the have. mic, dear. I'm sorry? Into the mic. Into the mic. Into the mic. Into oh, the God. Mic. He's deaf, too. He's not going to be able to hear what we oh, say. I'm not this is going to turn into He's whole thing. like this. He is very soft spoken. The mic. Am I soft spoken? Not really. Oh, I mean, okay. not like no, uh, well, right around about four thousand dollars. You get your voice gets animated. Yeah, very quick. Uh, apparently, my voice started cracking and squeaking because I was trying to justify me eating a pound of cheesecake <laughs> last night. He did. He really <laughs> I'm really upset. <laughs> I didn't eat anything for two Mike days. Mike Allen straight. looks over and I hear Mike Allen say, "Hey, man, are, are you okay?" And like Mike's genuine voice, not the not the like cutting up. Yeah, he like looked at David and he said, "Man, are you?" Are you okay? Like, he wasn't like that. He was. I was just like, I, I mean, he was nothing squeaky. for two days straight. I just want some food. And I just, I'm going to eat this cheesecake. Cheesecake was eggy. Yeah, it was. Wasn't it? It really yeah. was. Yeah. Sounds you like want, I didn't miss much. You want smooth, silky cheesecake. You don't want eggy, like, uh, curdy. Well, especially cheesecake. when it's supposed to be in some of the best restaurants in the world, really. Yeah. No. Right? Yeah. I don't. No. I think we should go to okay. Buddy Valestro's for lunch today. Let's do it. I'm down. Are you down? No, no. I got those. Uh, I'm doing the Brandon Steckler diet, and I'm ra- eating random protein bars throughout the day. You, you realize he what said they taste What are you listening to like, my son-in-law for? You know he said they taste like shit, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? He's got hams for forearms. Like, they look like Christmas hams. That's not, that's not the bars, dude. <laughs> it's these bars doing that. <laughs> Such a good kid. I like the shit out of him. Oh, all right then. What are we going to talk about? You said you wanted to bring up a post you read. Yeah. So um, it 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 was multifaceted. What what should a shop owner? Um, what should a shop owner spend on training a year? And and so I'll add something to that if I can find the post. Um, there's a post in here because they bring up coaching. And so um, the long and short of it was, is in the post, there was, it was a post about that the market was going to go downhill. Um, that was a separate post though. It was a separate post. Why, why, I, th- I thought he sold his shops. Dude sold the, sold the shops. Like he's on a boat and he's, he has horses on the boat and he has a helicopter on the top. Don't talk like, about the women in his life. Huh? <laughs> oh, geez. No. Um, no, well, does he have horses? He's got horses. Does yeah, he? I don't know. Greg. I think they're on the boat. I don't know Greg at all. So I don't. I don't know either. I don't. Know I, did, I didn't know he had a shop. No. He still had shops. But well, so basically, they said um, they basically said somewhere in here, and I was going to look for it, but there were comments about coaching, and they basically said that all of these people are doing coaching, and there's no value in the coaching, right? And so I was just kind of curious. Uh, and Who said that? I'm, I'm looking for it because I'd like to read uh, the exact comment. Well, we can. Yeah, y- y'all it's talk. More, I'm going to find whatever. it. <laughs> so the, the, the training thing was interesting because he put out a, hey, how much do you spend per year on training as a percentage of sales? And then he asked, I mean, I don't know, because every, everybody came back to him and they said, like, you have the answer for this. Why are you asking us? 
Yeah. And he's like, genuinely, I don't have an answer for this. I don't know what the right answer is because I cannot. We spend the money on training. I cannot see a exact return on the money spent. And we had this conversation at Vision last yeah. year, this last Vision show, where you start cutting, you start adding up the travel, the cost of the training, the payroll, the downtime, lost sales, right? Add all that up, and you you get this gargantuan number, $15,000, $20,000, $25,000. You lost three or four days, maybe. So how do you get a return on that money? You just invested $25,000 into, quote-unquote, training your staff. Mm -hmm. How do you get that return? And what we ended up concluding was you cannot. There, you cannot show a number on a P&L that shows, hey, I spent $25,000. I got 100 back. You can do that with, with coaching. You can see, oh, yeah. I hired this coach. I see a 20, 30, 50, whatever percent increase in gross profitability and net profit and gross sales, whatever. You can see the one-to-one -one correlation. So whoever said that about coaching is never at a PL. Okay. Ever. So I'm, I'm going to dig into it because there's two comments here. They might, uh, they're talking about shops, but he says the real issue is disposable income. They won't pay, talking about clients, they won't pay the $250 labor rate like they have the last two years. The shops that are not over leveraged and charging a fair price will flourish. The shops paying a fortune for training, spending unnecessary money on expensive equipment and borrowing tons of money to live cert a certain lifestyle is not sustainable and will not make it. Now, this is the, the original post from Greg. This is this is comments down in it. Kind of, OK. And I agree with all of that. Okay. I mean, the reality is you've got shops. You'd be amazed at how many shops are teetering. Mm hmm right on the edge and you know they get scared like greg put that post out about the risk you know this recession coming yep. in by the way i believe there is one coming right um i think we're in one well no we're not i mean by if if we are it's the weirdest one ever because gdp is growing not going down part but of a recession is, is gdp goes down for two success uh two consecutive quarters we had the two successive we had two quarters where we were down and then the Fed came out and the Treasury Department came out and they're like, well, this is not a real recession. We can't really count this as a recession. And the, all, the whole media story was, hey, they're redefining what a recession is because this that was the, the definition of a recession. They decided they were going to throw that out and call it something else because they can't show that. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop, and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, parts tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Hey, we spun this economy into a recession because we've been spending like drunken sailors. So that turned into a whole thing. But I do. we're still seeing some growth, but you see segments. Segments that are just, I mean, new, new home sales, for example, at least in Kansas City, 
they're at a standstill. They cannot get anybody to buy these houses because they're overpriced and the cost of money is mm-hmm. astronomical. Well, the loan right now is nuts. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. over eight yeah. percent right now. And, yeah. And what's interesting about that is I had a conversation. By the way, eight percent is not bad. It's just eight percent compared to two and a half, which is what we were having before. Is, is un yeah, that's uncomfortable compared. But if you to, look at it before it went down that low, yeah, eight we percent's not that bad. Eight eight percent is about normal. Yeah, right. Well, it's a reasonable so, amount. So it's interesting you say that because Laura Gay was on uh, from the company that does consolidation coaching for like body shops and she was saying that first quarter was slow this year and then after that the the mergers and acquisitions kicked off and it just went like sky high more shops than they could sell just because of the time frame right and so that that was really interesting to me that they're selling that many shops and she said it's a significant number of shops that have sold in the collision space just this year alone but how many of them are because they had a, a, a bad first quarter and somebody saw opportunity and and they just in. said, you know something, I'm out. Yep. Right. Well, so here here's the gist of what I wanted to ask you about. So this is a, a listener of ours and somebody that I call a friend, Sam Johnson. He says, my family's been in the business for 40 years and I see it like this. Anyone can make money in the good times. It takes skill to make it in the bad. If you're relying on a coach's recipe to get you out of a hole and learn how to run your shop, then it's probably too late to learn how to really be an owner. By the time coaches assess the market and then tries to figure out and drip that down to the client to teach you how to fix the issues at your shop, it's too late. They are a safety blanket at this point. You as an owner need to be able to stand on your own through this. This will take real business acumen to navigate, and it's not taught by people giving a recipe as so many coaches give. And he said, it's not just one, talking about coaches, he said, the, I'd say the average coach shop owner doesn't have a solid understanding of business fundamentals and how to actually make decisions outside of what their coach has taught them from the recipe book. I talk to shop owners every day that are in this boat. You can see that clearly by going on any of these Facebook groups. I'm just saying you're waiting to be told your next move. If you're waiting to be told about your next move, you're in for a shock. You have to be able to assess and adapt yourself in these market conditions, and I don't feel that's a skill average coaches teach uh, shop owners. What do you think about that? I can't speak about other shops. I mean, other coaches, because I've never I've never sat in another coach's training. I have never taken part in another coach's training. Yeah, so I can't answer that. Um. I do know that there are some coaching companies out there that basically teach a franchise model. And that's kind of what you go with. And if it if you go with it and it work, it'll work. But if you don't like one part of it, you can have a problem. Yeah. Um, but for me, I mean, you've been through what I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, how well do you know your P&L and stuff? Pretty well. Right? Pretty and that's well. my whole goal when I'm working with a client is two things. Number one is to get them from being chief everything officer to being an absentee owner. Yeah. Right? So that the the shop is sellable at all times. Right. Okay? So that's the first goal that I have. Um, and then the second is to get it so that they can make these decisions without coming to me. I don't want someone coming to me or one of my other coaches and saying, well, what do I do here? Well, what do I do here? Right. And I actually piss a lot of clients off because I go, well, what do you think you should do? Right? I don't give them an answer. That's daddy syndrome. I give, I start with questions. Right. Right? And that's that whole give them a fish or teach them the fish. Yeah. And I think that's super important is to get them to, I don't want you to be like this brainless minion that just comes to me with every situation. I want you to be able to look at the facts, see what's going on. And say, hey, this is what I see. Is anybody else seeing it? Because part of the problem is we see something, but it's actually a story that we're creating in our head. It's not actual facts. So let, let, me, let me flip this on its head. Okay. I'm sorry in advance. You're so, sorry in advance. Okay. Right. So, but is that scalable from a coach's perspective? Can, a, can you, can you take a, good, a... That's a good question. Can you take a business, a coaching business... And scale that into where it's it's extremely profitable, and you can have a boat. I don't want a boat. 
You just, you just messed up. I want horses. Okay. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, 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 listen. Boats are way cheaper. Okay. Uh, so, but I'm, I, I think what Sam is like, he's calling out these coaches because he's, he's saying these coaches can't. The ideally, you want to make yourself to a certain extent obsolete. Yes. Absolutely, I do. To a certain extent, because I do think you 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 do end up like moving to different types of coaching. Does that make sense? Yeah, and you're well, essentially you paying for different edu- levels. Yeah, right. So, like, well, let's say you come to me. I wouldn't even call it levels. I I think it's just a a. a it's not. I don't need help with P and L. I need help with uh, five to ten year business planning and SWOT analysis and. You know, and and then maybe you start buying additional shops, and now you need help with mergers and acquisitions, and Correct. and good financing. And hey, I need to diversify my financial portfolios, and I need some help with. And and then you get a big enough organization now, you need help with mindset and leadership training, and you know, there's all sorts of of different ways you can go that. But he's essentially calling out, hey, you you guys are not learning how to run a business. You guys are just doing what the coach is telling you. And the coach is incentivized to keep you ignorant and just keep you coming yeah. back to rah-rah conferences so you can listen to Dave Ramsey stand up there and give you a speech. And then you go back all hyped up and you go and, and do your thing. But at no point have you learned how to actually run a business. Hold on one sec. I just... Just when the lightning strikes, it's not going to hit me. Um. <laughs> but I understand what he's saying. Like, and and to a certain extent, what what Lucas is saying is that it is. I can understand why the coaching company is doing it that way because it incent- they're well, incentivized to do it that way. It makes it easy for them, right? I don't actually have to teach you anything. You just do what I tell you, and it'll work, right? Well, it's not even. I'm sure they intend on teaching, but they don't, whether you learn it or not is not their problem. Does that make sense? They're like, Hey, we're going to teach you, but it's obvious you don't know or aren't taking the time to learn. Yeah. Aren't forcing yourself to, to actually learn the material, but we don't care because you're going to keep paying us. And I get my boat or the horse or the horse, (laughs) um, or the cruise. Um, so for me, I can see that, but you know, I'm going to put it back on the shop owner. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the reason for that is there are a lot of shop owners out there that don't actually want to learn. They just want somebody to fix it for them. Yeah. They would rather be in the shop fixing a car mm-hmm. and they can't get out of that technician mentality and start to step into being a true business owner. And that's part of the coach's job to help them do that. But ultimately, only as a coach, I can only invite them into that process, right? Now, if we have somebody like that, that just wants, like if I'm talking to somebody, it's like, man, I just want you to fix it. I'm like, I'm not the right guy, right? If you're not willing to step up and be an owner, I'm not your CFO. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, do this, do that. That's not, yeah. my, that's not what I'm here for, okay? Yeah. But there are shop owners there, like they'll like, they have a bookkeeper, and I said, well, when was the last time you looked at your books? Uh, I don't. She does them. That just scares the crap out of me, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's, they kind of have that same mentality when it comes to hiring somebody to help them with the business. Make the pain go away. Yay. But they haven't turned it around, yeah. right? It's like putting a Band-Aid on something that needs stitches. You got the bleeding to stop for a little bit or, you know, better, but it's still an issue. Like one of the things I saw Greg Sands post recently was about, hey, make sure you got some money in the bank. Things are going to get a little yeah. hairy yeah, for a while. For sure. Every business should have money in the bank. How much? Three to six months of expenses. Okay. And that's, a, that's, not, that's not a little bit of money. No, it's not. But guess what? There are a lot of shop owners going to bed every night during the good times worried about how they're going to make payroll. How do you think it's going to be when things get squirrely? And things always get squirrely. They're called corrections. We go really wild. There's a correction. And typically, we tend to do pretty well as an industry because people still need their cars. 
Yeah. Right. And even if at, at the height of the pandemic, 75, there was 25% unemployment. Right. And there were shops just absolutely booming. So you got to be careful with what you got going on up here and be real about it. And I'm going to tell you that if you've got 75% of the population working in your market, you can do very, very well because all the other shops are hiding. Yeah. Right. And that's what we talked about during the pandemic, especially at the beginning is, you know, usually here's the funny part about it. Usually there's a hundred shops on stage jumping up and down, trying to get attention from the audience. And the problem is people are so busy. There's nobody in the audience. Right. Then we have the pandemic come up and guess what? Everybody's in the audience and there's nobody on stage. Yeah. Right. To take advantage of it. But ultimately there's, it's, it really is a mindset thing, but it's understanding the basics of business. I have savings. Right. Like something goes sideways. I'm okay. Yeah. hundred percent. You got to have three to six months of expenses sitting aside. Now, what you might want to do is not keep it in a company account, move it into a personal account so that if some, and yes, you'll pay taxes on it. I'm sorry. But if you keep it in <laughs> Dave, a company account. David just quit. I know. David just gave up. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> if you keep it in a company account and something happens in the business, that money's up for grabs in a lawsuit. Mm. Yeah. I want to protect that money from anybody else getting it. Yeah. Okay. So that would be the thing that I'm looking for. Okay. Now, I think the big issue is getting shop owners to realize that it's okay to be scared. And it is scary. I mean, you and I had lots of talks about that in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's okay to be scared, but it doesn't mean stop. It means push through that fear. I I think think a large majority of shops are on the razor's edge at all times. And maybe that's not just razor's edge financially. Maybe that's razor's edge emotionally, mentally, right? Because it's a lot. Of course it is. And that's why you've got to be able to take care of yourself and, you know, find times to recharge in whatever way. Hey, everyone, it's Lucas. I'm sorry to jump in, but I thought it was important to come and say this. You know, I'm often asked, why do we always talk about Kim and Brian Walker and shop marketing pros on the show? It's because we genuinely believe in their product. Why do I use them for my own marketing? In fact, they're building me a new website right now. It's not cookie cutter. I kept getting on Facebook and every shop looked the exact same. I didn't want to be that. And it's not just that. It's that they're part of your team. When you hire them to do your marketing, they get to know you. They know what you believe. They know what you say and they know why you do what you do. And they share that with your clients. That's huge. And beyond all of that, probably the most important factor in all of this is they stand behind their work. So don't wait. Go today and get your free marketing analysis from Shop Marketing Pros. They're genuinely our friends and they're genuinely here to help shop owners have a better life. Click on the link in the show notes for your free marketing analysis today. That's right. It's free. doesn't cost you a dime. That is. Yeah. Okay. We... We teach, you know, having a morning routine and an evening routine so that you're bookending your days. Um, but, yeah, you got to have you got to have something that you're taking care of yourself with. And and you got to be careful about what you're staring at. Right. I was talking to somebody. New shop owner. Had a decent shot. Not he was doing OK um, with the shop. It burned down. Holy crap. He moves to another place, lost everything. Yeah. Starts over. He starts working with me after ASTE. Okay. His shop was in like the ghetto. It was like scary, scary. Yeah. Ugly. Cheap, but ugly. Right. Wasn't licensed. I mean, the the building wasn't certified the whole nine yards. Right. Now, so he finds a really nice place. Rents four times what he's paying. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, okay, this is going to be a big move, and you're going to have to work hard to get the car count back up. Yeah. But instead of working on the car count, he's totally focused on the bank account. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
And instead, you know, he's like, I got to do that. I, I, like, what about this? What about that? And I'm like, stop. You're focused completely on you and people can smell that. Yeah. Desperation. Desperation, right? I said, you got to be focused on caring, connecting and helping. Yeah. That's when it's going to start coming to back to you. Right. And then he's, I said to him, I said, if, if your tech's not fixing a car and you're not selling a job, your ass is going to be out there kissing babies, shaking hands, getting in front of as many people as you possibly can every single day. Like it's going to be ugly for a while. I, my only concern is how did David become so successful then? I'm not, I'm not successful at all. It's terrible. David hates people. He's unwilling to I know, talk to I, them. He, that, that was cringy what you just said there. Just ugh, ugh. I don't I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I you're absolutely right. I, I'm a hundred I am that you're not talking about me, but I'm a hundred percent in in a very similar situation where if if I hit a particular car count, if I can hit that car count on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. all my all my financial problems are gone. Everything. Yep. Just just that number, just boom, all of a sudden, everything just falls into place, and everything is sunshine and butterflies, and it's the one, most wonderful thing. We don't hit that car count, and all of a sudden, I'm having to make some hard decisions on what I'm going to do. And here's my question to you as a shop owner. What are the five things that you're doing every single day to grow your business? I, I don't do anything. I sit in the office and cry. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it, we, I've had to. I've had to pivot and and look, go back and and I I don't the and, and this is maybe a little too confessional, but it's okay, I always son. I, I always I always <laughs> I look at things. I see I see everybody running this path. I see the ruts in the road, and for whatever reason, I go nah. I'm going to try to go down this path over here and it's freaking rattlesnakes and badgers. And the problem is, is you don't like jump back away from them. I don't, I run into it. And so I, I, I'm like, I'm going to go down this and I fight and claw. And for whatever reason, I try to make it harder than on myself than I, that I need to. And somehow thinking somebody has figured it out, doing it the way I want to do it. I just need to find that person and, and everybody I talk to, everybody I look into, everybody that I study, everybody is doing it. They're, they're on the rut. They're, they're following everybody else's path. And they're just, and I'm like, oh. God, you know, is- but see, a good coach, like it was funny. Someone asked me here yesterday. They said, what's your coaching style? And I laughed. And I said, it's kind of like a parenting style. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I got seven kids. How many, you know, what was your parenting style? And I laughed. I said, I have seven parenting styles. Because the reality is what worked with one didn't work with two, you know? And it's the same thing with shops. My goal isn't to get your shop to where I think it should be. My goal is to help you get your shop where you want it to be. Sure. Right? Now, I had a guy that I was talking to um, yesterday morning, actually. And I said, what's the dream? He says, 2.2 million. So I ran some numbers and I said, well, you should be doing 2.8 now. What's the dream? And that, and if he still, if he came back and says, nope, 2.2 is all I want to do. I want to have a balanced life. I don't want to push real hard. That'll give me everything I want. Okay, fine. Let's get you there. How did he get to the 2.2 number? He just pulled it out of the air. Everybody pulls it out of the yeah, air. They just pull it out of the air. Months. I want to do a million dollars in sales. My next thing I say is why? Yeah. Like, why do you want to do a million? Like, you know, you push down. It's like, well, it just seems like that's the number to go for, you know, and then they're so disappointed, you know, like I get here and we celebrate for, you know, a couple hours, a couple days, a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, nothing's changed. Right. It's yeah. still I'm my slightly life's, busier than I was before. I was busier yeah. than I was. I got more money in the bank, but I've got more stress. I've got this. I've got that. And now I'm afraid of losing what I just achieved. Yeah. And it didn't change what I thought it was going to change. So we have that kind of i think i think i call it an achievement delusion right where you where you achieve the goal and then you're disappointed on the other side of it that's normal right yeah i I went you know i went through that with the shop in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. right because like once we got the new shop it was kind of like well now what now what what am i supposed to do now i don't feel like i'm 
like I, it took me some time to find my direction and and like I, I enjoyed the maximization process of the shop so I, I figured out what the max numbers were for the shop and that's my new target right yeah and so it's it takes time to get there but you know the number of shop owners who don't even know how to find out what their potential is right and and they don't work towards the potential because like you know how to figure your potential you know how to figure potential i know how to figure potential in the shop the number of shop owners that message on a daily basis and who cares about the potential like it's that that's what like i don't care i don't care what my potential is you know what i want to do i want to pay off the debt if i can pay off the debt i'm free then if i want to walk away i can walk away and i don't have to worry about it that's it that's it so if what number is going to get away, me today? If you want to walk away. What's that? <laughs> that debt's gone down. It's like, bye. <laughs> See you guys. I, I, I don't, if I, if the day I pay it off, I, I've got, I've got a, I've got a game plan. I've got a game plan. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I got a game plan. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows how our game plans are going to yeah. work out. Right? Listen, I, gotta, I, I already I do. I do. I know exactly how this is going to work out because you cannot light property on fire, even if it's yours. That's still considered arson. And you can't put all your stuff into the middle of the street in your town and light it on fire and call it a bonfire. They will not tolerate that. But if if I if I get to that, to the end goal, uh I get to the end goal. I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do at that point. I really don't like owning a shop. It is miserable. It is miserable. But I. I don't know what else I would do. But maybe it's the rattlesnakes and badgers that are making it miserable. Yeah, maybe. I just so uh, Kathleen sitting uh, yeah. with Bogey yesterday doing her podcast, and Kathleen had she she told her story and it's an interesting story. She had, she divorced. Her husband, she got the shop. He got everything else. She was like, oh, crap. I don't know how to work on cars. He comes back. He's her lead tech. And now she's created systems and processes and layers in the business that she can now she goes talk to Congress and, you know, go do all these industry things. And she doesn't have to be there at the shop. And she has her daughter doing her personal assistant stuff. So like, hey, move my flight. She takes care of it. She doesn't have to do anything. And that... You look at that and you're like, okay, that's that's um, that's fine, appealing. I can see that, but the minute that one star review comes in on Google, the fact that I was hanging out in Vegas for an industry event all of a sudden is not that appealing to me anymore because I still have this thing hanging out, you know, at home that is constantly needing nurturing and attention not necessarily for me but it needs con- and it's ultimately my responsibility and I, I just not being able to let go of that without completely walking away or closing it and burning it to the ground whatever is, is a problem for me it's still going to bother me I, I just don't know how you disconnect entirely from it and i think the people that entirely disconnect from it have so many layers that it doesn't affect them like a doug grills right he's got too many layers it doesn't matter but even if you don't have those those you almost have to psychologically disconnect yourself from from the business like oh it's not my problem it's not your problem did you even care about it to begin with or was just a means to an end if you cared about it i don't know how you walk away from it i think I think you've always got to care about it. But there's a difference between caring and obsessing. Uh, is it obsessing, though? Like, you see that one-star review come in, and you're not even there on a daily, and you're like, oh, what did we do wrong? And then you can see, like, you but look, and you're you like, okay. what if you a different question? Okay. Like, wow, I wonder what happened. And kept an open mind instead of jumping oh, off sure. the cliff right off yeah. the beginning, right? Because it makes a big difference. Does that make sense? I, I understand that. But some, I would say like 80% of my bad reviews aren't even things we did wrong. It was the wrong person and what we offered they didn't like. Or they're nuts. They're just completely out of whack. There's 20% that are like, that's on us. We screwed up. But like I'm telling you, 80% of them, you read them, you're like, the crap like we did everything right and you still left us but, a one star but there was like, but there was you? something 
the only time people are going to leave a one-star review is when they didn't get what they thought they were going to get. So either something was miscommunicated or not communicated Maybe. in a way where you and, and understand communicating doesn't mean me saying something to it's, you. They have to understand. It's yeah. you understanding yeah. what I just said. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, having that reflective listening and saying, OK, hey, David, you know, we just had a pretty big discussion. You know, what did you hear? So we don't talk to our customers. So that's a problem. That, but, well, yeah. there you, well, there you go. You sound like, uh, what's that car company there that does that? Carvana. <laughs> oh, no, not even Carvana. Um, Who does it? Tesla. Oh, yeah. Tesla, you go to service. You never talk to a human being. Look how they're wildly successful. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least for their shareholders. I mean, Elon's a bajillionaire. He's sending rockets to Mars. That's cool. And the uh, shop will never get me there. Look, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. What? You got something? Uh, yeah. I'm behind. No, you, didn't, you still didn't get it. You got a donut on your face. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't care. I'm behind the mic. Oh, yeah. I can oh, see my. There you go. So it doesn't no, matter. Now everybody's going to look for the donut. On everybody's going to be like, guys, find the, like, like, find, find Waldo. Find the speck of donut. Actually, <laughs> actually, I'm running the switcher, so I've just got it focused on YouTube. It doesn't matter anyway. Um, you know, so in, in all seriousness, though, is, is that um, I think you have made sure that your clients will never call you. you that the, that the, dad the voice, they'll never call you. That dad voice you do with them. And like I don't it, talk to them. I don't talk to them. There was one customer, one time, a customer I'm like very close with. He was in my BNI group, and like he was asking a question we'd already explained to him. And I gave him the dad voice because I don't want to have this conversation again. We're having it for the third time. Let's not make this a fourth. So I'm going to end this right now. And I gave him the dad voice. Sometimes you got to give the dad voice, but for the most part, we don't like. I, I don't have to call and do the whole th- the whole shtick or whatever. The, the, we shouldn't have taken that customer in. I'm thinking one in particular. Where the, we How do you sent, qualify them if you don't talk to them? We talked to them on the initial, the initial uh, appointment setting. So they call in. They've never been to us before. They call and they're like, hey, can I bring my car in? We have to explain the process to them. If the process is not for them, I understand. But at the same time, like the, we, we reiterate. And, and this is something that we're going to add into our conversation with the customer. Like, we need to tell them, hey, we're not on commission here. So whether you buy anything or not, it doesn't matter to us. We're going to tell you everything up front. You can decline everything. We don't call you. You don't have to tell us no. You just click the button. And that should, at least, I hope that at least eases their mind to think that I'm not, I, I had a guy accuse us of of uh, editing the DVI photos to make it look like he needed work without actually needing work. My date stamped and time stamped DVI photos that he like, you can see the color of your car in the background, you know, like you're taking a picture of a strut or whatever. Like you can kind of see in the corner. There is that a red car. Yeah. You have a red car. Uh huh. Okay. So do you think I'm sitting here in the Adobe Photoshop, just messing around with this here just to sell you what? A couple of hundred dollars worth of work? Like, why Why am I going to bother? You, you think you're the only car here? Although that day he probably was. But <laughs> so <laughs> a little the, light right now. The, the one that, that did that to me, we had somebody do that to us. And she said she took it to another shop. And, and let's be completely clear about this. In this case, she comes in. We go over the vehicle, and it had had work done. It had new shocks on the front, and it had been aligned. And Terry said that when going down the road, the vehicle was trying to pull to the right and the steering wheel was a little bit off center. So he said, look, whoever just did the work, just run it back to them and they'll make an adjustment, right? Really quick alignment adjustment. It'll go straight. No big deal. Steering wheel will be straight, be more comfortable to drive. And they can tighten up the shock bushings while they're doing it. It won't take just a minute. Like no big deal. And so she calls me back freaking out and like leaving me messages and one star reviews. And she's like, she, t- they told me that everything you told me was wrong. Yeah. And they showed me the shock bushings and they were tight and they showed me my spare tire and it wasn't cracked all the way down to the cord. And I'm like, did you look at the pictures? Like you can see your van in the pictures. And she's like, no, I don't have any service. I've not looked at the pictures. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm telling you, like, just go look at the pictures. You can see it. 
She's like, I don't need to to see your pictures because I know you tried to rip me off. And I'm like, I, yeah, those people I, are nuts. Well, and it, they always take the second person's whatever the second person tells them because it it confirms. Well, it confirms what they kind of thought in the back of their head. They kind of knew, like, that shop's screwing me. That shop is screwing you. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Well, but but here's the thing. is So so she she takes the vehicle to them. They say nothing's wrong with it. Well, how do they shore the shock bushings? It's sitting on an alignment rack, right? It's sitting there with the weight on it. And they're like, well, it's not pulling. It's not pulling. Look, you can see your alignment. Your alignment's perfect. It's in the green, right? Come on now. I mean, they, they literally just played the lady. And it's the, the, the guy sitting across from me at dinner last night. You, did you hear him talking about the store he worked for and everything that they did? They promised the dude. They give the dude a raise to manage these two stores. Mm-hmm. And they said, he said, well, how much, you know, how much are you going to pay me? And they said, well, we'll give you 20000 He's like, there is no way I am going to manage two huge chain stores with a 175-car-a-day car count. For twenty thousand more dollars, right? Like I'm, I'm barely making forty thousand now. Why would I? Why would yeah, I do really? this for sixty thousand? And so they said, "Tell you what, we'll make it forty. We'll give you eighty total. You run the stores." Well, six months later, they're like, "Hey, by the way, you know, I know you've not seen your raise yet. We can only give you twenty. We're just going to give you twenty oh, more, geez. right?" And so then they come in the very next day and they're like, "By the way, we're cutting all. Everybody in the shop's flat rate." They said, hey, we're cutting everybody's pay by $2 an hour. Can you go tell them? And he's like, I'm not telling them that. <laughs> like, if you want to tell them that, you go tell them that. And so then right after that, they come in. They said, oh, uh, hey, man, we're going to seven days a week. And so we, we're not going to give them overtime, but we're going to need like half the staff to work Saturday and Sunday. And we're also going from seven to seven. So we're going to run shifts. Yeah. And so, like, nobody's going to have their own bay. They're going to have to share toolboxes. And he's like, I'm not asking these guys to share toolboxes. Are you crazy? Like, well, just tell them, like, one guy can, can put his tools in. What does have to do with the shocks? Well, so that's the shop that did this, oh, right? Oh, no. That's the shop that told all this stuff. And so then she goes to another shop in town because something else happens with the van. She goes to this other shop in town. And I know the other shop, and I, I guarantee you that he was like, uh, I don't think that they were exactly honest with you. <laughs> you may have a situation where the second shop ripped you off and the other review disappears, right? Like yeah. that one star is gone now. So Mine don't leave. They stay there forever. The reality is we've got to, at the front counter, we've got to do a better job of connecting and understanding where people are coming from and what they're going through. You know, it's kind of like having someone come to me. I, I can't tell you how many times someone had come to me and say, I've been to four other shops and I'm not spending another dime. <laughs> and, I, and I basically would look at them and smile and say, well, we need we need a course correction right now. Right. And number one, you're at the right place. And number two, you are going to spend more than a dime. Right. Um, and we just started talking from there. Um, so. I know how you're doing things, and uh, it's not the way I would recommend. Me? Uh, yeah. Oh, the with not calling and, yeah. and uh, talking to the customer. Yeah. I just I I don't see the um, the need for it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I used to do it. Here's the thing. I used to do it. And if my numbers, the only difference between my numbers and Lucas's numbers is car count. That's it. That's it. Car count. We run. Do you, do you not think- similar AROs? The build hours per the the his my DVI is not as long as his the wordiness, but he's chat chat GPTing all of it. So there's all that. <laughs> Never mind. I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make a dirty joke. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, <laughs> look what here. what did I say? Did I say something dirty? <laughs> it's not uh, as long for everybody as else. It's a beautiful <laughs> it, it's it's a beautiful day here, guys. I. We'll let them do this for a couple of minutes. Um, I, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you just real quick that, <coughs> excuse me, um, that when someone's making a decision for auto repair, they're using basically three criteria. Number one, do I trust you? Right. If I don't trust you, it doesn't matter what you say to me. I'm out. Um, but then after that, it's time and money. And that's it. 
So part of the job at the front counter is being able to create need and urgency when appropriate. And please understand, I want to underline when appropriate. I'm not suggesting we sell aggressively. That's not the case. I believe we present the condition of the vehicle and we're basically saying, what do you want to do? Yeah. So I, I try to structure that the exact same way. The trust factor, rather than like, hey, I got a dog too. Let's talk about dogs for an hour. Instead of all doing all that, like we have a little spiel that we give. I, I need to, I will say that we don't do a good enough job with the spiel. A lot of the fact that I don't have to talk and do the whole thing is is really because of where I am. The, my market, look, we have a Carvana down the street and it is wildly popular. Like there's no talking to anybody or anything. You go and you buy your car, and then you leave. Machine, yeah, Yeah. it's a bubble gum machine for cars. Credit card in, and the bubble gum comes out. And there, there's a certain, and we have a ton of Teslas. People like the. I do it all online. DoorDash is wildly popular in my area. So is Uber. Like they, there's this whole like, I don't have to talk to anybody. It's just all on on app and online and that that kind of thing. It goes over really well in in my area. But there's, a difference, do, but there's a difference between ordering a pizza but and saying a $30, no. a $30,000 car no, without no, but, ever talking to anybody. But that's fine because they want the car. But is that the smartest thing to do? They should have it looked at. They should make sure that it's okay, that there's no other issues with it and everything yeah. else. Now, there's a difference, though. When somebody orders a pizza, they know what they're getting. When you're talking to somebody about ball joints being bad, yeah. it's going right over the heads. They have no idea what it means. I, I and I've thought about adding the motor visuals thing. Have you thought about doing the motor visuals? Do, thing? do you have it? Mm-hmm. That's on every. But but here's the thing: is I mean, you you say the only difference between our numbers is car count. Yes. Well, I mean, maybe that's part of the car count, right? Do you because think? you build you build relationships with these people. You you engage with these people, so now they come back more frequently, right? Yeah. And and they tell more to, people I'd because to, they're like, dig they're, into the the numbers and see if like my retention is the same. I'd have to look at that a little bit and deeper. The, and, and the other thing is you can have a fantastic spiel, uh-huh. but the last thing someone calling your shop wants is a spiel. They yeah, want Everybody's you. got a spiel. Like I call it a spiel, but like, you know, the whole shtick that, hey, uh, building rapport and all that stuff, it's a shtick. Like I, I really just didn't want to fix your car it properly, but I have to make you feel good about it. So I got to do this like dog and pony show. No, no, you well, don't. But somebody does. We, we do it naturally, right? Please, like, in fact, that's what we want to do. In fact, I want to say, please don't. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really good at it. I just don't like doing it. Then don't do it. Have somebody that likes doing it, that's good at it, that can connect with somebody, not rapport. Rapport's bullshit. Okay? Rapport's manipulative. Connecting with somebody and getting to understand what's going on from their perspective is huge. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And it doesn't mean you got to understand. I'm not about talking about the hemorrhoids or anything like that. We're we're going to connect over a shared agenda, which is their vehicle. Sure. Right? But at the same time, you have somebody call in and they're upset or they're scared or they're mad or frustrated. Being yeah. able to recognize that, connect there and then start to talk to them about it. Yeah. It makes a difference. And then what are their expectations? What has been their experience? Because the reality is you start dating a woman or something like that. You're looking for baggage. Why? Because she's been in previous relationships. You want to know what you're stepping into. Yeah. It's no different with an auto repair shop. She has had other relationships that ended badly. She has or he has baggage recognize what that baggage is before you start doing something with them because maybe that baggage has gone from baggage to bag of cats crazy and we just go no thank you right like i had this one lady swear to god she calls me up with a check engine light and one of our questions is has it been to any other shop for this work and her response was yes four and i'm suing them all oh nice At that point, I said, I'm really sorry. We can't help you. (laughs) 
she just disqualified herself. Yeah. She asked me why. And I said, do you really want to know? And she goes, yes. And I said, listen, there might be one shop. I know the shops in this area. There might be one shop that took advantage of you. I said, on an off day through some miscommunication, maybe two, but not all four. And I said, respectfully, I choose not to be the fifth. Yeah, I don't want to be the fifth. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, and, and we had one a while back that, that came in and she was talking about the fact she was suing multiple other shops. Yeah. And, and she came in. And what I learned about her was um, she works for a massive coaching company that coaches large financial organizations. And yeah. she works for people who do that. And that's what they do. They litigate everything. Right. And their their whole mentality is and, and she boy, she was as curt, direct and to the point. I mean, there were a couple times that I was like, like almost choking trying to talk to her because she was so direct. Right. I mean, she was intense. I mean, the most intense person that's ever been in my shop. Now, she was perfectly kind. But I also knew that I didn't want to tangle with her if I didn't have to tangle with her, right? Like, I knew better than getting into that. But that but that comes into it, right? And building the relationships. Like, I would re recommend looking at retention. You know, the first time somebody comes into your shop, they're a guest. Yeah. Right? It's not until they come back a second time that they become a customer. And my goal is to get them from customer to client to raving fan. Sure. Right? So, if they come in as a guest, they're trying you on for size. Am I getting what I think I'm going to get? And, okay, it seems pretty good. I'll come back again. And, and then we start that process. Um, so, yeah, I would take a look. Like, I had one shop owner. He said, look at this. I have 800 new clients last year. And I said, that's a lot. I mean, that's like 80 a month, you know. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. just a little under. And I was like, wow, that's a lot. And. I said, tell you what, let's run a report. So I developed a report for that software system. So let's see how many have come back twice. Less than 100. Holy shit. What was the reason? They were transactional. And they weren't marketing to the right people. So they were making a promise. Because marketing is simply making a promise to somebody. Like, you have a problem and I can fix it. That's the problem. The promise, yeah. right? And... And they just didn't get what they thought they were going to get. So that humbled him a great deal afterwards because it's not how many you get to come in once. It's how many do you get to come in again and again and again. Yeah. That makes all the difference. Right. And that's that's a big for me. I am completely relationship oriented. And that doesn't mean I've got to know every little piece of them. But, man, if somebody's talking about their kid going to a soccer tournament I make a note in my computer system, and the next time they call, we go into the notes, and it's like, hey, how'd Johnny do on the com that soccer tournament? Yeah. And they're like, holy crap. Like, one of the things I do when I start a class, I'll do this in about an hour and a half, is as people come in, I ask, I start, I say hello, and I introduce myself, and yeah. I get their name, and they're amazed that I had about 50 people in my class Tuesday morning, and they were absolutely amazed that I could use their names. Yeah. Right? And it's, it shows like they're like, holy crap, I, I never expected to have like this kind of interaction in a class. But that's just the way I, it's the way I operate. I completely relationship oriented, yeah. Yeah. you know? So, you know, getting back to do coaches work, coaches can work, but it's a partnership, right? It's, a, it, it, it's an engagement where the owner says, I not just I'm in trouble, help me, but says, I want to become a business owner. Yeah. And that's where it's really magical. Like Eric Bach. Mm -hmm. Love Eric to pieces. He's one yes. of my assistant coaches now. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he was in the shop as a tech on the counter. Yep. And he has just grown so much. Tom Shearer, another yep. guy. Right. We were just joking. Um, he says, I'm doing this much. I was doing this much a year when we first met. He says, I'm doing that much a month now. Yeah. And, and what's neat about Tom is, is what Tom's not doing. Exactly. Right? That that's more important to me than what he is doing because like I've, I've no, him and I have been close friends for many years now. 
and the ability to step himself out of the business very much in the degree that David wants to, right? Like, because that's what Tom's done entirely with the business. Yeah. Is the business does what the business does with or without Tom. And Tom comes in and I've spent a lot of time in the shop with him. Right. And, and so it's, I come in and, and I do the numbers check and I make sure everything's okay. He's still got his office. Sometimes he'll go in and sell a car if, if he's got something he wants to sell. But the majority of the time, Tom is not, at the shop he does doing not the shop have, stuff. He does not it have to be does at the shop. What it does. But now here's the thing is it is very much relationship, right? In other words, every person that comes in the door, they're having a conversation with, they're creating um, they're creating the relationship on each step of the process. Yeah. And David, I think that's one of the things that you miss is that you don't have to be the one to create the relationship, but you got to train your staff to create the relationship. The shop needs to be relationship-based, in my opinion, for it to really be successful. And it doesn't have to be you. It has to be us. But you don't have to be the voice, right? Tom, Tom's an introvert. Like, one of the, at one point we were coaching, I, Tom's been in three locations. So when I first met Tom in 2004 or five, he was in Merchtown. And it's a small place, and we helped turn it around and get him going. And he's like, I'm good. I said, okay. So it was a couple of years, and he, he went on his way. And then I was reaching out because his wife was having some health issues, so I wanted to see how she was doing. And, you know, he said, she's doing better, but the shop's falling apart. And I said, well, do you want to start? you want to talk? And he says, can we? And I was like, yeah, so let's start talking. And, and we did, and we got him out of there into Upper Mukunji, which is a much nicer demographic. Um, and he went from European to basically all makes all models in Mukunji, upper Mukunji. Um, but it was time for him to start marketing and Tom doesn't like to market. Mm -mm. And at one point he basically said, F you, I'm done. Cause I kept pushing what he needed to do. And I said, okay, no harm, no foul. And then about five years ago, he reached out to me again and said, hey, can we talk? And I said, sure, what's up? And he says, the shop of my dreams just came up for sale. 1.3 million, I gotta figure out how to do it. And he's been in that shop now for five years. Mm -hmm. So he and I are still coaching, but we're still coaching on very, very different things now, if that makes sense. Kind of like you said, mm -hmm. like we don't talk about flows. He's got the flows down. He's got the people in there. Mm -hmm. We're adding staff and we're putting new things into play and we're adjusting the flows for that. But he's got it. He's got some great people in there, right? Some really, really good people. And I, I like, I'm going to give a shout out to Sammy, um, his daughter. She's nailed it. Huh? She's, she is the reason that he doesn't have to be there in a lot. That's not really true. You don't think so? No. I, I, I think she is so driven. She and is so driven and she's really good at what she does. But his manager, Mike, Mike, yep, Mike is the reason why he doesn't have to be there. Very true. But but here, here's where I'm coming from with that is the reason that I don't think he has to be there has nothing to do with how well the shop runs or who's running the shop. It's the trust factor. There, and with, and with Sammy there, I can tell that he has a much different confidence level in what they're doing and how they're taking care of people. Ah, see, I see. I still disagree. I, I, I see it in him. I see it in him. When she and and he, he's extremely hard on her. In a very, I'm I'm not saying like he's you're not doing it my way kind of thing, but I see he, he has big expectations. And, right, exactly, exactly. And, and he does. And but Mike really is the linchpin that allows Tom to to he, take off now. Here's what I'm going to tell you, though, about Sammy. Sammy was a, is a rock star advisor. Okay? Oh, yes. Um, she's been through all our training and everything. It's just absolutely amazing what she's done. They had one guy that made an appointment and pulled a no-show twice. Yeah. He called a third time to make an appointment, and you know what she said to him? She said, before I'm going to make your appointment, you're going to drop your car off. When I have your car in our parking lot, I will make your appointment and if you have to wait two weeks for it, so be it. And he made the appointment. <laughs> right? So, but it's, it's stages of growth. But what we tend to do is we get stuck. Yeah. Right? There's so many guys that start on the journey and they get stuck in a bad place. Like, 
you know, I was talking about uh, secession. I have a new class on, you know, planning your succession. Yeah. Succession, And so many people, it's hard to think about what you're going to sell the business for when you're trying to get food on the table. Yeah. Right. When you're stuck in that, I just need money. I got to get cars in. I've got to get. It's hard to start to think, well, how do I want to better the shop? How do I want to improve the staff? Because you're in survive mode. Yeah. You've got to get beyond survive mode so that you can start to see some of these bigger things. Basically, a good coach is going to take somebody that's stuck in the trees and start to pull them out so that they can see the forest. How, how do you how do you make sure it sticks though? How do you make sure that they actually learn what they're supposed to be learning as opposed to because there are a lot of, I don't want to say the term pattern failure fixers, right? We've talked about technicians being pattern failure fixers. Oh, yeah. There's some coaches that do pattern failure fix, fixes. Right. And so it, it just like that post says, it, it doesn't stick, right? It's not teaching them the knowledge. It's saying, here's, here's what you do. And so they don't understand. Like when we went through my numbers, it wasn't just like, well, here, here's what the number needs to be and change this to get the number. It was, well, you've got to understand what changes the number. What changes the because number? Because then you have control of it. What could be impacting it, right? Yeah. Um, and that's super, super important, right? So that you know what to do. But the thing of it is, like, I'll give you an example. I have, I have, I had one client, uh, Rich, uh, him and his partner. I don't remember his partner's name. I want to say Jeff, but I'm not sure that's right. Um, they have a, they had a shop down in Florida, Sarasota, and they were doing fifty thousand dollars a month in sales. And I said, you should be doing one hundred and fifty. And at that point, he said, you're on drugs. Yeah. And let's face it, he's, he's yeah. not the first one to say that to me. Um, so nine some months. Some of them were right. Uh, no. Uh, some, nine months later, he apologized because he was doing 110. And he's like, I got what I want. I'm done. Right. Okay. Right. And that's, and that's kind of the thing. I can't make somebody be something they don't want to be. But it's a conversation we have. So I have a I have a shop that's been with with us now I think two years, growing very very slowly. Okay, older shop owner. Just wants to be everybody's friend, and it's not working. But he's slowly coming to realize it's not working. So he recently had one of his key employees leave. And we were finally able to have the conversation of, well, he said, well, he's doing, he's quitting because of this. And I said, no, you've had four technicians and now an advisor quit in the last 12 months. Why? There's a bigger thing going on here than just, we can situationalize everything. Right. But there's something going on. You got to finally start telling yourself the truth. Exactly. Right. And, and we were actually, you know, and here's what I said to him. I said to him, I said, you know, I'm really proud of you. And he says, why? And I said, because if this had happened a year ago, you would have been completely useless. I said, now you're just looking at it like, okay, what am I going to do next? So uh, he's, there is growth. People grow at different rates. And the, we've got to respect that. The patience to do that, I do not have. And it is, and, and trust me, and it's acquired skill for me, right? Because you know me, I am a steamroller. I push and I push hard. Yeah. And I do that because I know where you could be and I know what you're capable of. But at the same time, I've got to be the guy that gives a hug at, at the same time. Not right? me. Not me. See, I'm just like, they're, 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 just, just change it. Just change it. Just like you, yeah. the labor rate. Just click the button and, and change it. Yeah. Why, why do we need to talk about this? Why do we have to keep going back to this over and over and over again? Well, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable doing because that. Because you know why? They're being told to change the labor rate, but they're not given the reasons why to change the labor rate. Or I want to give a raise. Or I don't want to give a raise. Or my guys want a raise. You should know. I have a webinar out. That's called the seven reasons to give a raise, right? And it's, you're going to give them for these reasons and these reasons only. All right. So, so you, I've got to ask this now. Okay. I know we're out of time, but I've got to ask. Okay. So seven reasons to give a raise. They just said in that post we read $250 labor rates could, 
consumers are not going to continue to pay that. Uh, Say that again, $250. $250 labor rates, consumers are not going to continue to pay that, right? And they're saying that, hey, the, the money's drying up, so you better be careful. And, and so one of the things we've talked about is when it comes to technicians, a lot of technicians have been saying, hey, I demand 120000 This is the technician's market. Keep asking for more. Keep asking for more. Keep asking for more. I've asked a couple of people this now. Is this sustainable? Because I, I talked to a dealership principal or somebody that works in service for a massive, massive dealer chain, yeah. lots of dealers. And he said, his exact words were, he said, I've got guys on payroll, $150,000 a year. But he said what they traded they traded something for that extra money, and he said it was security. He said what they traded was is that now when and the time, de- yeah, well, he and said, time. He said when the dealership slows down, do you know who the first one to go is? He said it's them. He said because we're not going to sit on them, we're not going to protect them. He said right. if they were a little bit lower, we would have some margin left in it to protect them. But they demanded these big dollars, and so if they demand these big dollars, great, I don't have a problem. But if it slows down. You're out. I'm I, like I'm not giving you that security because I'm paying you that much. I can't afford to give you that if you're not turning hours. So here's my response: Labor rates are going to continue to go up, and it's not because we have greedy shop owners. It's because we have we have shop owners that are starting to understand how to actually run a business and not subsidize repairs. And if I've got a guy that I've got to spend a hundred thousand dollars on to get in my bay or a hundred and twenty, that's fine. But we got to have a real clear conversation about what my expectation is for that. Okay. And as long as we're both doing that and I price it accordingly, which means ultimately the consumer ends up paying for it, then I'm going to price it so that I can not only pay the technician, but also pay my bills, generate that three to six months of savings, have personal savings, have a retirement account for myself, be able to offer benefits to my team that nobody else is, that all requires money. And I'm going to tell you that our labor rates have been so under, what's the right word I want to use? They've been so deflated for so long artificially that they should be, they're coming to where they should be now. Yeah. And the shops that are at $200, $250, there's not a lot of them. There's yeah. some, but there's not a lot. Most of them are going to be dealers. Yeah. Right? Or you're going to be in a really exorbitant area. Right. Um, you know, we're seeing, you know, 120 to 175 is probably about the, the average. Yeah. About the average in there. Um, and it should go up based on inflation. And it should go up based on what your cost of labor is going to be. Yeah. And that's what it is. And you want to fix that? Then we need more technicians in the industry. And when we get more technicians in that are good technicians, then we can start to, it'll bring the rate down normally. Yeah. Okay. Naturally. Yeah. Okay. But until that happens, this is a technician's market and we've got to just buckle up and be prepared. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.